Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon. It's Chickie Fitzgerald. It's Friday, October 8, 2010, and this is the Executive Girlfriends Group call. And I would uh, just like to welcome a couple of people to the call today. Uh, first of all, welcome to Cynthia Adams. Uh, Cynthia, I know you just gave your, your intro offline, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself quickly? Oh, thank you. Uh, again, Cynthia Adams. I'm the Vice President of Planning and Logistics for Travel.com and specifically working with Ed on the Executive Women's Forum. Very excited about this opportunity. It's really going to be a great event this year. Thank you. Well, I am really excited about it, too. And we, we've actually got a couple of components of the event. And for those of you who are familiar with the event, uh, for the, the better part of the last 10 years, we have gotten together as a group for lunch on, on the opening day of Travelcom, uh, where Travelcom has an event in the evening. And we're going to start uh, with that uh, again this year, although we're going to do a couple of things uh, kind of as a precursor to that. But at lunch, we're going to have two groups coming together. And uh, we actually did this, I believe it was two years ago in Atlanta, uh, where we had a, a young kind of up-and-coming leader group and then uh, the kind of, I don't want to call us the old standard, but uh, for a lot of us that's what we are <laughs> in the industry. Uh, but the up-and-coming leaders, we, we are actually branding that as next-gen. And the next generation is so important to us. And so I took a look around the Executive Girlfriends group, in particular those people who had been really engaged over the last year, and uh, there was no one better than Cecilia Dahl to head up this effort. So, Cecilia, welcome. Thank you, Chickie. I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be a great program. Well, why don't you just tell me a little bit about your vision for the program, and, and I know you've had some people that you would like to uh, actually recommend as candidates for this program. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited about the program because I, I felt and I got the feeling as we sat around the table last year and we looked around and we, we were watching um, the number of executives in our industry actually declining and we were talking about what might be causing that. And uh, I know you and I had a conversation afterwards where we thought, you know, it might be something really great if we found some young women who had executive potential and had career aspirations for executive positions and then mentored them um, with professional development and personal development seminars and workshops like the ones that we have uh, for the Executive Girlfriends group. And so I really see this as being a program where we as executive women can identify strong and talented up-and-coming young, young women and then mentor them um, up, the, up the ladder, up their career path. And uh, I do have several women in, in my organization who I'm going to be bringing with me um, in March to start this program with. And I'm really excited about Carrie being on board. I think she has a great, and you'll, you'll hear from her later in the call, uh, but a great perspective uh, for young women who are working their way through uh, a very successful future career path. Exactly. And and while the bulk of the people on the call today are focused uh, exclusively on the travel industry, actually, 
this program is going to be open to uh, women in any industry. And so the the egg membership at large, which I would say probably about 60% right now is, is travel industry specific, and then we probably have another 20% of service businesses and technology companies that service both the travel industry and other industries. Um, and we want to make sure that we, we extend that invitation. And again, we're just delighted that we've been able to work with Travelcom to leverage the successful Executive Women's Forum moving forward. And so, again, we, we are still uh, on the hunt for our speaker for the main event uh, in the afternoon for the Executive Women. But for the next-gen leaders, I'm very, very excited, uh, as Cecilia mentioned, uh, to announce that Carrie Broussard has ag agreed to come and be our guest speaker uh, to that group of up-and-coming uh, Executive Women. So, Carrie, why don't you give us a little bit of your background Sure, and thank you, Chicky and Cecilia and, uh, and Cynthia for inviting me uh, to be on this call and also to be the speaker um, for the upcoming event in March for Next Gen. I just am very excited about it. Um, my background, as some of you may or may not know, is um, primarily in the hotel industry, and I recently moved from Dallas, Texas, to the New Jersey, New York area. I'm in Jersey City, which is right on the the river, the Hudson River overlooking New York. And I moved up here last year to continue my career with Wyndham. So I had been with Wyndham for 13 years as uh, head of public relations, and then I started a program called Women on Their Way and uh, be, went on to become Senior VP of Diversity Marketing for Wyndham. And so I was uh, just fast forward, had a period of time there where I wrote a book called From Cinderella to CEO, which has been very successful in terms of being uh, published in 10 different languages around the world because it does resonate with women of all ages around the world, and I like to think that it also resonates with men, too. But very interestingly, moved up here with Wyndham, which has always been, I don't know if any of you feel the same way, but if you've ever built something, helped build something from the ground up, you always feel like it's part of you. You gave your blood, sweat, and tears for it. So when I was um, encouraged to come back to Wyndham from the new CEO, Eric Danziger, uh, who had worked with the Wyndham in Dallas when it was based there, I jumped at the opportunity to uproot my family from Dallas, where we had lived for 17 years, and have a small family, um, my husband and my uh, black Labrador retriever tank, and we moved up here uh, to pursue the um, option to work with Wyndham, and it was fantastic. But I got up here, and the business model is quite different from the model that um, I was used to at the original Wyndham. So some people could say you can't ever go home again, but I really, really wanted to go home to Wyndham again, and I had a great, great opportunity and a great time. And um, yet, at the same time, I elected to leave Wyndham, and so um, my life is um, continuing on up here but in different ways, uh, which have become quite entrepreneurial, which I, in the past, owned a PR firm, so it's not, I'm no stranger to owning my own business, but it's, it's very unique and different. So just to, that's a quick overview that probably went on too long. No, no, it was, it was perfect. And, and again, 
I, w- I don't want to spend the whole call talking about your book, but there are a couple of things that are really appropriate, particularly with this focus on the next-gen leaders at Travelcom. And and the first chapter of your book is is actually about Cinderella, and and it the subtitle is "Picture Yourself at the Palace and Find a Fairy God Mentor." So I mean that couldn't be more perfect for what we are are really setting out to do, and. I just want to ask you, Carrie, did did you have a mentor early in your career? I did not. And I was speaking with someone earlier today that um, you know, you you teach what you need to or desire to learn more and more about. And um I think because I didn't have a mentor early in my career, I this is why I feel so passionate about mentoring and also why the book was something that I really felt that I wanted to write and it is almost like a snapshot period of time when I did write this book which by the way happened to be it's a book that is five years old so I like to say that my child is now five years old and now I've got to <laughs> determine what the career path is for my book but I've had mentors I mean I did once I figured out how valuable mentors are uh, and it wasn't like I had intentionally set out to um, ha- acquire a mentor. It it literally was something I put out there as people sometimes um, say, if you put it out to the universe, it will happen. And I really desired to have a mentor, but I didn't know how to ask for one. I didn't know what a type of person I was looking for. And so, and actually in the book I call it the five-minute mentor, I began to just notice and take note of the fact that many, many times in a week people would mentor me. It wasn't necessarily a, um, you know, a rigid mentor-mentee relationship. But then I landed, Dave Johnson from Wyndham at the time actually literally became a, a real mentor for me and helped me write the book and inspired me in many ways to, to move up the organization. So so yes and no, never didn't have a mentor in the very beginning, and I don't know if you on the call, those of you on the call have, but you can really tell a difference in somebody's career when they've had a mentor. And I even look at people who's one of their parents happened to be teachers. You really see differences mm-hmm. of people who have a mother or father who was a teacher or both. They seem to have gotten it early, like right. knowing how to have a career. And, and I really I always wanted one. I just didn't really know what to do. So I've sort of, I call it streetwise mentoring on one level. Definitely. Well, you know, it's so interesting, and I think we've probably had this discussion sometime in the past. As as I uh, get to know all of the different kinds of women, uh, you know, who have joined the Executive Girlfriends Group, and we've got close to 600 now, and, and they are, you know, as different right. from each other as, as you can imagine. I mean, we've got... Uh, definitely, we've got people who've been with uh, the same company, you know, for many, many, many years, uh, you know, with larger companies, smaller companies. We've got founders, we've got entrepreneurs, we've got solopreneurs, we've got, you know, people who are more comfortable in smaller family kind of operations. And, and uh, again, we've got a wide spectrum of industries. But as I sit back, I find myself listening to women who have managed to to climb the corporate ladder and who are really loving what they're doing and they have had mentors, I sit back and wonder what would have happened if I had had one because I didn't. 
and and I always had this entrepreneurial rebel spirit inside, which actually is the ingredient that makes me a great consultant, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't make me a very good corporate employee. You know, I, I just always felt like I was getting in trouble with someone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and so, uh, you know, I, I do think mentoring is so important, and particularly since, you know, women tend to have stronger personalities now than they did, say, 20 years ago in, in the marketplace. And so I think these young women coming up have had to be strong to get ahead but, you know, again, sometimes they have that same edge I did that uh, keeps them from getting where they need to go. Well, and I think that, you know, I mentioned Dave Johnson earlier. He was somebody who was also very entrepreneurial, and he had actually left Wyndham and come back. And so I think, again, because I also had that have that bent of entrepreneur, my father and his father, before him and even his father before him all were entrepreneurs so when you're when you've had just people to watch that are entrepreneurs that's all you really know and and then there are people who come from families who have been IBMers all their lives or right. you know corporate uh company men or women all their lives and so that's all they know so it's interesting if you can straddle both and maybe that's a little bit more of what you know, people can uh, really excel at if they understand both sides. I, I think right. that's a, a good combination. Well, and and I mean, clearly, I've found my niche. I mean, I would be, you know, just amazingly miserable <laughs> if I took a corporate job. Uh, I, I just can't can't even imagine it. But um, you know, you do have to find find that place where uh, you know you are mm-hmm. happy and you're focused on what you want to do. And uh, you and I had this discussion the other day about getting focused and getting momentum. And you know, we've just come off of such an incredibly difficult time. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about that and, and about your book, your your new book project that you're working on. But okay. just for those of you who haven't heard Carrie before and who haven't read the book, I just want to read you a couple of these chapter titles because um, they're they're very, very cleverly tied back into the fairy tales that we grew up reading and, and in many ways believing and aspiring to in that in that naive kind of way before you actually get out into the marketplace. So uh, chapter two is Snow White, Whistle While You Work and Win Loyal Allies. Uh, again, I think anybody who participates regularly in the Executive Girlfriends group calls knows how important finding allies are, and the fact that you guys even make time uh, in your very, very busy schedules uh, proves that you, you've gotten that one. Uh, chapter three is Little Red Riding Hood, Stay on the Right Path and You Can Fend Off the Wolf Yourself. Uh, I may have you circle back to that one, Carrie, because that yeah, that's one of my favorite chapters. <laughs> well, why don't we just uh, just kind of go on a little sidebar here on that because I think that one is very, very interesting. Well, I'll just the example. And by the way, my um, consultant on this book who helped me was Anita Bell, who also lives up more, lives northeast up here in my neck of the woods now. And speaking of woods, and she, anyway, she's an expert at fairy tales and kind of had always done a lot of work around fairy tales, so she had a great person to to work with on the book. But the reason I love this book is the analogy, this gives you the example of why fairy tales sometimes uh, seem like a stretch on one level when you 
tie it into business, but when you think about it, these stories are so easy to remember. And so the Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf, the way I can call up the story so readily is I think of if we're sitting in a business meeting, for instance, that um, perhaps you, uh, a couple of things, there may be somebody around the table who may smell blood, <laughs> who may be after you, um, who may be calling you out in the meeting or just ignoring you in the meeting. Or thirdly, you in the meeting may feel unsure of yourself because you're, um, you know, you're around a lot of high-powered people and perhaps you're um, completely uh, aware of every statistic that you're rattling off or, or every idea that you're raising your hand about and talking about. But you may feel or have had instances with somebody in the room who you may feel is a big bad wolf who has treated you or others that way. And so that nervousness perhaps can be um, dis, uh, dispelled by thinking about, hey, there's always a woodcutter nearby. There's always a friendly woodcutter who knows how to sniff out this uh, big bad wolf as well and help protect you and has your back. And so I think about that when I sit in a meeting or if I'm in a presentation that, hey, yeah, there are people maybe perhaps who aren't looking out for my best interest, but there's always that woodcutter or mentor nearby who can help me out. The other thing is when you think about the big bad wolf smell it can always sniff out blood and maybe the weak link uh there's there's always that so you need to prepare yourself to not be that person who typically could be uh great pickings for a a a wolf who's going to sniff out the blood and then you know in the long run typically um and this is where i think maybe it goes off into other fairy tales but uh the big bad witch in almost every single fairy tale never uh, ends up winning out in the end. And so it, sometimes it takes a lot longer to to wait that big bad witch out or that evil witch out. And that, right. A witch is not always a woman, by the way. And, and, you know, you can't just make that a gender. It's almost like a anomaly there. But um, So anyway, I, I think about that as well. All right. Well, again, I'll let you guys uh, check it out yourselves. It's on the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, bookstore, uh, which you can get to on the executivegirlfriendsgroup.com website. Um, Carrie, you had told me the other day that, uh, well, I, I want to talk about a couple of things. When you decided to leave Wyndham, you uh, actually accepted a position that sounded fascinating to me, and uh, it would have ended up taking you permanently, uh, moving your family yet again uh, to the D.C. area. Talk to us just a little bit about that and, and what ended up taking you kind of back to your own thing. Oh, I'm glad you asked me about this because this is one of my favorite organizations. I, um, Some of you may remember um, American Women Radio and Television. I had uh, served on the board of the um, Board of Trustees for the American Women Radio and Television for several years. And when I left Wyndham, and to give you an idea of the caliber of people I was working with on that board of trustees, John Klein, who just left uh, CNN, he was a board of trustees member uh, for the American Women Radio and Television, Jeff Zucker, <laughs> I'm going to be in good company here, Jeff Zucker, who just left NBC, and Carrie Broussard, but 
hey, you know, you stretch these, uh, you know, opportunities. But they, they, this is the caliber of person who has been on that board. And then I fell into that opportunity to be to sit on the board when I was with Wyndham because I had started the Women on the Way program. And at this time, uh, at that particular time, Dove had not really started their women's campaign. And we were looking at American Women Radio and Television was wanting to approach Dove about being a major sponsor, and they were able to see that Wyndham, uh, through the Women on the Way program, was a sponsor. So it was a it was a great opportunity to bring the synergies of uh, women in media to help become a voice for brands that were marketing to women. So fast forward, when I left Wyndham, there was the need to fill the position of the president of the staff president of the organization, which had renamed itself in March of this year Alliance for Women in Media because, the, as you all know, the industry of cable TV, broadcast TV, and radio is, uh, it's you know, speaking of Jeff, Jeff Zucker and John Klein, everything is in flux in the media industry just like it is in the travel industry. So it's uh, it was a parallel life, if you will, or parallel industry. So, And I had the experience of having worked on the board, so I came in as interim president and uh, was a fabulous experience and ran the Gracie Awards, which had always been in New York for the past 34 years, and took, them, took the Gracie Awards to L.A., and we went into that, and I, in a way, felt like a little bit of a guinea pig in that we were going to go out to L.A. for the first time to have these awards, which the Gracie Awards are based on Gracie Allen, named after her, and they are um, awards to honor um, programming for, by, and about women. Huge, uh, kind of like the Emmys for women in mm-hmm. the broadcast industry. So changing the name Alliance for Women in Media with my background in branding um, was a great opportunity to go out to L.A., take the Gracies, and begin the the uphill battle, but we feel like a great name change to the Alliance for Women in Media. And thinking going into the, that that we were going to lose $25,000 at least on that um, fundraising we came out way ahead um, from a fundraising standpoint, which benefits the Alliance for Women in Media Foundation. And it was the, we've never gotten so much media coverage as we did in L.A., even compared to all the years that we've had it in New York. So it was a great success, but I didn't want to move at this point in time, and it became apparent after uh, four months there that I really – was somebody needed to head that organization in D.C. where there's a big public policy component to the organization, and I, and I just wasn't ready to do that. But uh, I miss it a lot. It was a great experience, and so there's a woman who's now heading it up, Erin uh, um, Fuller, who's doing a, a, a great job. And uh, but I could, I, I will move for the right uh, thing. It was just that. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't give advice to people not to move for the the right job right. or the right timing. But it just wasn't. I had just moved here to the New York area, and I, I love it up here. And I've lived in D.C. before, but also it just. Um, you know, I was just. I needed to 
regroup. <laughs> you know, I don't know right. how many of you have have uprooted your lives, but I hadn't been to the doctor, you know, or found my right. I hadn't found my doctors, hadn't found my husband's doctors, and I'd lived in Dallas for 17 years, and and so I just didn't want to do that again. Right, right. So you know, you know, I I think I've lived in I don't know 15 houses, and my father was not in the military. <laughs> Okay, there so, you go. Uh, so you know, yeah. you're probably a pro at moving. I mean, I, I well, think you know, my husband and I have lived here in Tampa for ten years in the same house, and and I have just loved being in one place for that that length of time, and it's oh, the longest yeah. I've ever been in one place. So there's a lot to be said for that. But you know, I, I just wanted to bring that up that here you mm-hmm. had this great job with a firm that you loved and you really enjoyed what you were doing, but you really sat back and took stock of what was important and, you know, had the courage, even though in these, uh, you know, very, very uncertain financial times, moving out of a position where there is some kind of regular pay, uh, particularly back into thinking about doing another book, that's pretty frightening. So so what got you to that place? And and tell us about the concept for this next book. Well, and thank you. You're always so supportive, Chicky, I think, in decisions that women make in their careers and probably men as well, but I just hear you speaking with women because you're right. People sometimes, especially in this economy, think, you know, you better take whatever you can because, um, you know, these are desperate times. And I literally, you know, did a lot of soul-searching because, um, my family still thinks I'm crazy. You know, they're worried because I had lived in Dallas for 17 years, and um, they thought at you know age 50 when I uprooted that was crazy. <laughs> and, then, and then when oh well, you know you're not at Wyndham anymore, and now you have this other great position, and you don't want to move again. And and I do. I think that there is that um, grounding and centering that comes from, uh, well, you know, what would it be like if I, you know, took a risk to do X? And if you um, don't, I think, have the time, which I don't think a lot of us in this economy have had the time to, you know, when I interviewed with Wyndham the first time, I had eight, eight interviews, you know, and it took over at least, it was a two month period. Well, coming back to Wyndham and also going um, to the Alliance for Women in Media, it was a quick turnaround. You know, that no, no way. It, I knew these people. I knew them well. Right. I wanted um, to help out. I, they wanted to also have me on board, but they were quick, snap decisions because the economy is moving fast and things need to happen fast, and so. Just jumping again for it would have kind of been my third jump um, to to move uh, so quickly. I really thought, um, you know what? I haven't had a chance to really take from Cinderella to CEO my thinking and my um, work and research that I'd put behind that effort. Haven't really had a chance to take that through its stages. That I think there's still so much more left to do with that. And when I got into um the Wyndham uh the Wyndham position, I literally had to put so much on hold from a creative standpoint and from 
mainly from a creative standpoint and from a strategic standpoint. And because again, you're working almost um, you're working on things so fast and furious that are that have to be taken care of, and they literally almost take all of your time, 24 hours a day, it seems. So there's not a lot of time for thinking and strategizing when you're just trying to make the business survive. Now, will I look at um, how this, you know, from a year from now, and this is the risk I'm taking, whether I made the right decision? I think that's the that's what probably keeps me up at night, right. <laughs> you know, and grinding my teeth a little. Is you know, I don't know what the future is exactly right now. I mean, but when you're in a corporate job or you are in a position um, like I was president of the Alliance for Women in Media, I also didn't quite know what the future was going to be. But there is this. Um, it does feel more secure when you. Um, you know, have that regular paycheck. Obviously, it's a, it's right. a, but it can be so much more uh, rewarding. And can I give you one example of somebody Absolutely. that that I thought maybe your your group would identify with is um, the um, person who I was just going to look at my notes. Um, the person who started Pandora, uh, the founder of that organization. He literally, well, first of all, uh, he was trained as a jazz pianist, and pianist, however you want to pronounce that, it's like <laughs> Caribbean and Caribbean. Um, but up until his, it was his 348th pitch to venture capitalists that landed his $9 million investment uh, that actually allowed him to be able to take uh Pandora which was just most people and he included thought you know um oh my god I'm crazy to have spent this he literally had to beg um his employees to wait to be paid for 2 weeks time after time after time and what ended up happening is he developed an app for Pandora which allowed him to um basically take uh the 48 million users that he has today which actually they tune in on average 11.6 hours a month that mm-hmm. his revenues now are up to 100 million but the venture capitalist that you know with his 9 million dollar investment said you know the pitch that he gave and I'm sorry his name just um escapes me right now yeah, is okay. the founder of of the guy that gave him this 9 million dollars said that the pitch he gave wasn't that interesting but we could tell that here was an entrepreneur who wasn't going to fail and then after he got this 9 million dollars he actually replaced himself and hired an experienced CEO and he hired a lobbyist in DC so he went from you know and uh he, Kept, he wanted his business to succeed. He went from uh, subscription-based business to free um, and from computer to mobile. And so when his fortunes were at their lowest, you know, where he really had no money at all, he just kept pursuing. This is a real uh, motivational story for me, I think. And so he really he just kept persevering. And his difference from other apps like um radio listening apps is that the listeners cannot request specific songs and that's where he found his sweet spot 
But it was just so fascinating to me that here was a, a venture capitalist who said, hey, we didn't even think he was that interesting, <laughs> but his passion and for his perseverance and that he wasn't going to fail. So I, I thought that was uh, somebody that we could look at. And here's Pandora's also just looking at the the model for mobile apps and how that is really that is uh you know where it's at that's where the business is really going to go if it hasn't already gone there um for many of you on the phone that um and and for entrepreneurs out there right well tell us about your new book project so my new book project is is a little uh still in the the incubation stage but the good thing about the incubation stage is you have this opportunity to uh, really, I don't know how many of you ever, how many out there have written a book or to who have aspired to write a book, but the the real issue with a book is you have to pick what the problem is, and you have to determine what the problem is that your book will solve. And so when I wrote from Cinderella to CEO, um, the problem at the time when I wrote it, which you know was spanned a, a period of time, but when it came out in the end of 2005, is it was still up in the air about um, you know what women are really capable of and what women really think they are capable of. There was this doubt of. Um, I think of you know what really grabbed the attention of my agent and the publisher was one I had a proven track record with women on their way at Wyndham, and that also that um, these fairy tales was a very these fairy tales were a very interesting uh, component that could hook you in from a marketing standpoint. So now I'm looking at, okay, well, what's the problem today? And I'd love, again, to hear what your group thinks on the call, but my issue that I'm presenting forth with this book is that women have reached a lot more parity in the workplace than ever before. As a matter of fact, the statistics from the World Economic Forum shows that, um, you know, an optimal balance of fully employed women and men means that the gross domestic product would grow by, you know, from like 8 to 9% if every, you know, if we were all working and, you know, everything was perfect. And so my problem that I'm addressing now is though that, you know, and this is where it gets kind of, you know, it's almost like fingernails on a chalkboard, but I'm looking at are women really supporting other women? And why aren't mm-hmm. we? Right. And it is, you know what? It is. It's the toughest thing I've ever had to talk about in a book that I haven't completely written yet, because I've always wanted, um, you know, I've always wanted and felt like uh, having gone to all girls schools and re- been in a family of mainly all women, um, four girls and, and one boy is, you know, are women supporting other women and doesn't seem to be the case across the board and why not? And then women thrive and are happiest when we are in control. And so why aren't we in control yet? 
and are those of us women who are at the top levels of companies and corporations and government why haven't we or why aren't we really changing the world for the better it doesn't seem like we've really taken the opportunity to grab it and work together and really really make a big change and show the world that hey after all this time you know we're not victims anymore we've we've taken control of our work lives and and or have we what's what what are the issues that are not allowing us to take control of of our lives and then ultimately you know what is the legacy that we want to leave as right. we as some of us are you know as you said some of us have been in the work world for now 25 up to even 40 years that work together now so what is that legacy you know did men in the past and men in the future and men in the present is it always about having a building named after you or you know you look at somebody like what bill gates is doing you uh and his wife and you look at Oprah and and what she's done and what she's able to do. So there's some great stories out there about how people are developing a legacy that will change the the world for the better. But I, I just think if you know you can't really spend the time telling uh, stories in the the line of a fairy tale. Now things have to storytelling has to be quicker. It has to be right. uh, more poignant. And so the next book is based around um, very, uh, you know, a quick, quicker telling of stories, but um, still rooted in integrity of the the story, though, around women succeeding and men succeeding. But the the line from the that really the thread and the line that really keeps fairy tales going year generations after generations through through um uh countries and uh civilizations is that thread of integrity and so the book the new book will still focus on uh the integrity part of of our uh reason for being better uh in the work world than we've ever been before but where are the missing components? And it seems right. like that one parallel thread is that, um, and this is where the, you know, the rubber meets the road is the women supporting other women, right? Well, that is a topic I very much want to dig into, but I actually want to do it off recording so that people oh, will feel free to actually talk about it because I think one of the challenges that you clearly face even in getting people to tell stories to go on the record uh in a book yeah. is is that you know it's pretty tough to tell a story even if you don't mention the person's name and not have someone in in your your sphere of influence who actually knows who it is without you even saying so yeah, uh, yeah. it does get really really challenging well Carrie before we uh sign off I do want to remind folks who are listening on demand that Carrie's book is still available for sale. It's both on the Executive Girlfriends Group site, which is powered by Amazon, um, and uh, it is called, uh, well, Carrie, why don't I let you uh, give the name of your book and then also how people can contact you. Well, and thank you so much for the opportunity to talk 
to you all. I really, really do thank you, Chickie, and everybody. Um, the book is From Cinderella to CEO, How to Master the Ten Lessons of Fairy Tales to Transform Your Work Life. It's uh, My website is CinderellaCEO.com, and you can buy the book on Amazon and Borders and, and other such places. But that's pretty much it. Great. Well, I am going to turn the recording off because what's said on the rest of the egg call amongst our <laughs> members stays on the egg call. And then uh, we are going to dive uh, a little bit deeper into this women supporting women issue. So uh, hang on one second. Let me take off the recording. And uh, for those of you who listened uh, online, thank you very much for joining the Executive Girlfriends group. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.